Hello, and welcome back to the Modern Court Reporter Podcast, where we discuss all things court reporting. As always, I'm Dan Malgren. And I'm Darlene Williams. In today's episode, Darlene and I are pleased to be joined by Gene Hammond, a proofreader with over 20 years of experience as a legal admin assistant. Gene is a self-described word nerd and grammar girl, and Gene came on the radar of Planet Depots when she responded to a general ad seeking qualified proofreaders almost five years ago. Darlene, in her role with Planet Institute, referred newly graduated Planet Institute students to Jean, and the accolades quickly came back that Jean is an outstanding proofreader. She has answered the call many times to help bail out a reporter in a pinch, and always with the most utmost professionalism and grace. We are thrilled to have Jean as our guest today. Welcome, Jean. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Darlene, would you mind getting us started? Absolutely. So welcome, Jean. It's always good to speak with you. Uh, Let's open our interview today with a brief bio of your proofreading history and any other history you'd like to share with our listeners. Can you tell us how you became interested in proofreading for court reporters? Sure. Hi, Darlene. So I've always enjoyed reading. I am a word nerd, as Dan said. I do have 20 years of experience working in law firms, different kinds of cases, different kinds of attorneys. I used to schedule depositions. I used to summarize depositions, but I never really thought about the back end of how do depositions become transcripts and do court reporters actually need proofreaders? Is that a thing? I didn't know about this at all until I came across a, um, an online court course for, um, court reporters, proofreaders. I, was interested. I looked into it. A lot of it fit my work history, my abilities, my sort of um, natural things that I've done or brought to different jobs. I researched what court reporting is, how they can use a proofreader, whether there was an actual need for this. And so fast forward, I took the course. Um, I found I really enjoyed it. I was really good at it. I finished it. A month later, I got my first job. Um, six months later, I was earning a respectable income as a court reporter's proofreader. I was learning as I went, um, things more specific to real world proofreading for court reporters. Um, some of my reporters then, thank you, shared my name, shared my contact information. And then every month I started getting new clients, um, And and it just snowballed from there. And soon after, I was, as a full-time proofreader, taking all the work that I could get. And um, then as my life changed, my daughter went off to college. My son joined the Navy. The house became more quiet. I had more time to work. I started building up my business. And that's what it is now, which is a really good feeling to have control of your life. And doing something that I love that the world needs. And um, I think that's the definition of success. And I feel very successful and very fortunate to find this this niche and to be working with the people that I work with, frankly. I um, couldn't have asked for a better group of clients to have. Very good. And can you share with our listeners your qualifications for success as a proofreader? Sure. Um, my qualifications for success, I think they take into account the, of course, the qualifications for being a good proofreader, the 
the words and the sentence structure and the punctuation, vocabulary, legalese, all those different kind of things. But even maybe more than that is my what I call critical attention to detail, the big and the not so big things that maybe make me stand out. Um, when I read through an appearance page, I'll make sure the telephone numbers are formatted consistently. Um, if an attorney's email address misspells his last name, I'll double check that and make sure that it looks as best that it could. So everything's important. Um, and unless I'm 100% positive on something, I'll research it. I'll, I'll do a Merriam-Webster check. I will Google sleuth something until I'm confident I know what it's, what it's supposed to mean. I'll look up Wikipedia. I will check Westlaw for case citations for um, quotation bits that maybe somebody is speaking very quickly through and maybe it wasn't translated well or right. Um, so all those little things, I think, make me stand out as a proofreader that my reporters really appreciate. All right. Well, while this may seem like an incredibly basic question, why do I need a proofreader? Uh, well, when you get past the why you need a proofreader, basically, to put out your best work, to know you're putting out your best work, to not stress about possibly not putting out your best work, um, it comes down to a um, work smarter, not harder reason and a um, protect your life reason. So as a reporter, if you are um, taking a job down all day and then spending into the evening or weekends or giving up quality time with people that you might want to be spending quality time with, um, to stay home and proofread something you've already put hours into, it doesn't make for a very happy or healthy reporter. So that's where proofreaders as a whole separate entity then actually a reporter proofreading their own work comes in. Sound advice. So as a new reporter, what qualifications should I be looking for when seeking the assistance of a proofreader? Mm -hmm. Qualifications is a hard one because there's no real standard or certification for transcript proofreaders. Um, short of a word of mouth referral to a proofreader who's been recommended by another reporter, a retired court reporter who's now proofreading. Um, I definitely look for someone who's completed a proofreading course specific to legal transcripts. Um, besides the basic qualities, knowledge of vocabulary and grammar and punctuation and all that, um, maybe a reporter needs a specific type of proofreader, somebody who's more knowledgeable about medical or patent or criminal matters, or um, somebody who's in a particular time zone or will work weekends or won't upcharge for a weekend work. You know, there's all kinds of proofreaders that fit these specific niches that sometimes court reporters find more important or as important as actually doing the work. So you have to kind of figure out what's important to you. And then, well, another problem is how to find those court, um, proofreaders to actually fit that. Right. I think one of the early things that I tell students that I work with through our Planet Institute mentoring program is that you can work a job from start to finish and there will still be mistakes. And so a proofreader is critical from the very beginning. And our students who 
finish our Planet Institute program and then continue to work for Planet Depots, get the benefit of using me as their proofreader for the first several months. And I help them navigate through those, you know, windy roads that we get called down when we're port reporters and we get stuck because we're so used to seeing something. And for students, because they're new, they've listened to that job several times by the time they get to that final proof. And there's so many times they just miss it because they've heard it so many times and they their mind sees it, but it's not really there. Sure. And sure. Uh, so, yeah, it's very important. I, I stress over and over and over again to our young reporters, you must have a proofreader. It's just critical. They can't go without it. I don't I know. Tell them right. That's right. They don't know what they don't know. And proofreaders make them look their absolute best. Mm-hmm. I know from experience that you work well with new reporters because I've actually sent some new reporters your way. Can you tell our student and young reporters the types of beginner proofreading errors that you encounter? Um, I don't know if I can answer that. I don't often know that a reporter is a new reporter. Certainly, I don't ask them unless they tell me. There's no real way for me to know, and it's not by the amount or the type of errors that I might find. Um, Reporters have good days, not so good days, easy speakers, some challenging speakers. Um, There's all kinds of variables, so I never really know um, if you're a new reporter or not. as a general rule, the kind of errors that I get are sort of across the board. I even get them when I get a job through a scopist. They're not that many, but the um, missing words, the tiny words, or the sometimes they're not tiny words. They're more than a one syllable word that, I don't know, just dropped somehow. Um, the, 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 it. I, I don't know why, but I commonly find a not missing, which of course changes the attorney's question and the witness's answer. So I'm always glad to find those and sort of stick them in. Did he not say not here? Um, And sometimes it's a missing end of a word or a wrong end of a word. They drop the the tense of it or it's just wrong somehow. Um, There's also some things, and I think it's probably a a keying thing that I see any and my, which I think might be very similar in a keying motion that mm-hmm. I see interchanged a lot. So I'll look for things like that. And whether that's a new reporter or a seasoned one, I don't know that it makes a difference. Sure. Along that same line that um, you don't know if a reporter coming to you is new or not, um, I would, I would assume from that response that you don't necessarily vet the people who reach out to you. You provide the service to them, and then it's basically their responsibility to vet you. Is that correct? Yeah, I think we, we both do it from both ends. Um, when I'm contacted by a court reporter, they'll often say I'm a you know 10-year veteran or I've been writing for, I've been reporting for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that it means a whole lot to me. Um, hmm, In the big scheme of things, I have reporters who apparently have been making the same error for 30 years and didn't know it. Sometimes they tell me. I have one who said, oh my gosh, I've been writing et cetera as one word for 30 years. Like Mm -hmm. you said, you don't know what you don't know. Um, The proofreader's job to know those really silly things. Yes. um, Like, 
um, Walmart Corporation changed the format of their corporate name a couple of years ago, 2018. Some reporters, maybe if you're not up on Walmart's corporate structure, um, we'll still write it with a hyphen. Right. So That's great. Those little things, it's not really a court reporter's job to know Walmart or, or um, some little things like that, but it's a proofreader's job to, to look it up and to make sure that it's right. Agreed. And when you're providing these corrections to the reporter, um, are you also providing some kind of explanation for the suggested change? And if so, why, why not? Oh, sure. Um, I almost always give a little explanation with my markings. Um, I think it's important not only to let the reporter know that there's some backing to what I'm about to suggest or change, um, whether it's Merriam-Webster or um, the Secretary of State's office as this is how this corporate name is structured with or without commas or whatever. Um, but it also helps both of us in the long run, unless I want to be marking the same error in subsequent jobs. Um, maybe the court reporter can change their dictionary or they can make a note. I've got court reporters who tell me they have sticky notes all around their home computer desk with my explanation of when to use a question mark inside or outside end quotation marks. Um, I had a reporter send me an email the other day, please, please give me examples of um, a while and a while. When and why do I use this? And they'll write it down and stick it on their wall or something. Um, hopefully we both learn things and it makes everybody's life easier in the long run. So I think that's important. I couldn't agree more. I think you're absolutely right. And for reporters, we're very visual people. And so that explains the sticky notes all over, but it does help. It reinforces each time that we question ourselves that, yes, I did it correctly. I have been reporting since 1985. And at the moment, I have no less than a half a dozen sticky notes around my monitor <laughs> reminding me of those very issues. Um, there are just things that I get stuck on, not for any particular reason. They just never clicked for me. And so when you take the pressure away from yourself and create that sticky note, it allows you to, to forgive yourself and know you made a mistake, fix it, and then try to remember the next time to do it the right way. Sure. Yeah. So speaking of the little post-it notes, do you have any other words of wisdom or tricks of the trade that you can share with our listeners about how to avoid common proofreading mistakes? Um, sure. So what I've found, and this has taken me a while to come to this maybe realization, um, our brains are really very cool, but what they like to do naturally is what we don't want them to do when we're proofreading. So there's science and all behind it. Um, it's like our brains jump to conclusions. If they expect to be reading something or hearing something, they will fill in the blanks. They'll change what's wrong to read or understand it as right. So especially a court reporter who's already heard these words spoken, seen them at least once, twice, 14 times, I don't know, mm -hmm. and then tries to go through it all very you know, cleanly to proof it will skim over a lot of the errors. So what I found is a 
as a proofreader to be able to focus on individual words I read in my head in a very staccato way. So instead of um, I went to the store, kind of flows and it's rhythmy, is in my head I read, I went to the store. So that I can focus on each individual word, I can make note, I don't read it out loud, but I make note of the punctuation. And I sort of evaluate each word and each phrase, each sentence, each line, each paragraph for correctness, for um, does it flow right? Is what's before it and after it, does it make sense? Um, and you have to take all of that together, but focusing on each individual word is where it starts. So when I proofread, I use an iPad and I find, I prop it up. My son bought me this very cool triangle foamy thing that I set on a pillow on my lap. So I'm reading at my eye level mm -hmm. and I expand the words to fill the screen. And I read only one or two lines at the top of the screen at a time. So my eyes don't have to go also from the top to the bottom and from the left to the right. It avoids the strain on my neck. It avoids eye fatigue. It makes me really concentrate on now these big words um, right. to hopefully let the errors pop out at me. So things like that, you have to really sort of disable what your brain is going to want to do. Um, and that's what I call my work reading attitude. And, mm -hmm. and, and most days I sit here in total silence. Um, if there's anybody even on the phone in another part of the house, I will recognize that I'm going on autopilot in my reading. I'll be mm -hmm. listening with one ear and I can't concentrate and focus with only one ear or one eye. How do that, how, I don't know how that works. So I need total quiet or just background instrumental music, something very soothing. I have to take breaks. I'll get up and just, you know, I'll do a downward dog. I'll go throw the laundry in, um, anything. I'll sit and just look out my window, you know, to look into a distance rather than all this up close work. Um, little things like that. Just you have to do what you need to do to take yourself out of the normal reading pattern. Right. Along those same lines, I'll offer to our listeners, too, that I frequently encourage young reporters to actually print their transcripts out on paper and go away from the computer and sit with a marker and a highlighter and proofread that way until they get used to seeing things differently. They're so accustomed to seeing everything on a computer monitor. And when you actually put it on a piece of paper, you see things differently. And so I encourage them to do that for it depends mostly on this on the new reporter, but upwards of six months just to get used to identifying those mistakes. I also tell them don't try to do a final proofread the same day that you finish editing a job because you you wrote the job once, so you heard it the first time, and then you edited it again with your audio, and you may have even edited it a second time with your audio. So now you're at least two to three times through the job and proofreading on the same day. Like you just said, your mind is going to believe it sees things correctly when they're not correct. And so that's one of the keys that I give them to actually print it out and read it on paper. I also do the same thing about taking breaks. I tell them to set a timer, um, whatever they're most comfortable with, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, um, 
and totally focus on what they're proofreading at that time. While that timer is running, that's all they think about. In a quiet room, no distractions, um, no, can't have your kids running around. It, it just, it, you cannot be distracted that way. But when that timer goes off, then to get up, walk away, go do something else. Like you said, do a little yoga, throw in the laundry, take the dog for a walk, something that's completely unrelated to what you're trying to accomplish when you are physically working on the job. And then to go back, set the timer again, and you know, continue that process till you get through the job. Even at that point, I still recommend they use a proofreader after that. I still think that it just helps to bring a level of confidence to them so that they know moving forward that their eye is learning how to proofread. It's not something that I think comes natural to us, but as court reporters, it's such a fundamental part of what we do that we need to train ourselves to be good at it. And so I think your tips are very, very helpful for them. Sure. And sure. I really appreciate that. What I was thinking is a court reporter sits for, I don't know, hours and hours listening to someone. I could not listen to someone for that long. I, my mind would be on my grocery list and what I want to have for lunch. I would just be zoning out. Sure. Um, and, but a reporter has to train themselves to be able to focus that long and that intently on what an individual or individuals are saying. Um, when I listen to the audio sometimes of jobs, which I don't do, but I have done as a favor, mm -hmm. um, I can't distinguish things. When they're starting to talk at the same time, I, I just get lost. Um, yes. But a reporter has had to train themselves to do that. A proofreader trains themselves to focus that way too, but in the reading end of it. And we sort of build up our endurance to sitting for longer periods of time with that focus and that concentration. So it's a sort of, but different, um, same thing. Absolutely. That's, that's helpful information. Yeah. All of these tips I think are helpful to uh, any listener, whether they're a new court reporter or, um, like myself in digital marketing, uh, you know, just even the printing out of content. I work in, in purely digital, but I will still take the time to print out something that we're working on so that I can sit down, I can look at it, I can read it over. And that just sort of takes you out of your, your normal zone uh, where you're, you're more likely to, you know, zone out you're, and not pay attention to what you're reading. Uh, but I really like that the advice of uh, reading it in that staccato uh, in your head, because I, I never thought of that. I, and, even now I'm looking at some of my notes and reading them in a rhythm, you know, that like I would normally be speaking them. Uh, so I, I think going forward, I'll be trying to, when I do any of my own proofing, read it in that staccato in my mind so that it, it takes me out of that, that normal. Mm -hmm. um, on, on another note, can you, uh, can you share with us any funny stories that you might have about proofreading errors that slipped past reporters that you've uh, come across? Sure. Um, I usually find a funny in every other job, maybe. Um, sometimes it's just, it's a sounds alike word that fits in there, but it's, you really know that it's not there. Um, I had a job, it was a Planet Depot's reporter um, who sent me a job and one attorney was saying to another attorney at a heated moment in the deposition, well, we'll just let the pirates fight it out. And I suggested parties. But I drew a little pirate ship and she sent me back pictures of cannons firing and um, it was very, she wanted to leave it in, 
that was her first, you know, funny thought, but it didn't suck <laughs> in. Um, but there's things that not so funny, they wouldn't be funny, haha, but um, things where a reporter sent back to me, you know, you saved my bacon on this one, because maybe they, um, I don't know, weren't capitalizing your honor or judge in direct address. For some reason, it just dropped. Or um, they misidentified people. They uh, And that, you know, happened page after page would have, I don't know, thrown off the whole thing. Not a good, not a good situation. Maybe the attorney's name is spelled um, not well. And... Um, inserted a different word that maybe was not very flattering. I had that happen one time and we were happy to catch that. So maybe not funny, haha, funny to me because sometimes it comes up and, and um, I just chuckle about it and correct it. And I know the reporter is going to get it back and say, Oh my gosh, thank you. That one, you know, that was worth it. That was worth all the proofreading that I have sent out. So, yeah, well, I have a funny one that I'll share. And this is from many, many years ago. And um, I happened to be proofreading for a friend at the time. Uh, she had taken this job, was unfamiliar with the terminology and asked if I could take a look. And it happened to be an accountant that was being deposed. And as I'm reading through the transcript, I came across the word that I, I kind of stumbled on. And I'm like, I don't think that's the right word. And as I'm reading further, I'm like, no, I know that's not the right word. <laughs> she had either made a global mistake when she was defining a word, but instead of defining the word computation as computation, she defined it as copulation. And there's a real difference between those two. So she was very happy that I proofread that job before he went out to the clients because I'm sure they would have laughed incessantly about it. So there's always a time and place to uh, catalog those little funny things along the way. But as long as we keep them out of the hands of the clients, I think we're doing a good thing. Exactly. So, so Jean, I want to thank you for taking this time to speak to our listeners today. We appreciate the unique insights that you bring to our listeners. And if any of you out there would like to learn more about Jean Hammond and her proofreading, you can visit jeanhammondproofreading.com and we'll leave a link in the episode description. And that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Gene, for joining us, and keep up the great work out there. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Modern Court Reporter.